Portland versus Seattle, New York Red Bulls versus New York City FC, the Galaxy versus LAFC, please. Those aren't rivalries. Those are scrimmages. Those are friendly playdates among buddies who are all in the same boat, rowing in the same direction. Mexico versus the United States, that's a fucking rivalry. That's authentic. That's real. And that's what we get this Sunday for the Gold Cup final. That said, the following is a discussion on the last time the U.S. played Mexico on June 6, 2021, for the Nations League final, where the U.S. got the better of the result 3-2. to two. A quick side note. If your chief interest is in youth soccer and player development, it's important you get intimately involved with both the pro game and the national teams. That means more than just watching games, but trying to learn what's happening on multiple layers on and off the field. So when we have episodes such as this one that zooms in on the U.S. men's national team, it is just as important as if we had an episode interviewing some youth coach, some European Academy director, or anything else we may have done in the past. You may not give a crap about John Brooks or Diego Lainez or Greg Burhalter or Tata Martino. Maybe you don't even know who those people are. But you should absolutely care about the underlying principles and the machinations in play, again, on and off the field. It's about continually improving our capacity to properly interpret and contextualize, which in turn enables us to better apply lessons to our circumstances. In any case, this is a timely episode in that the U.S. will face Mexico in the Gold Cup final this Sunday. Yes, the context is different in that these are different rosters. Yes, if the U.S. loses, there's a built-in excuse that this isn't the so-called A-team, since it's just MLS players and not our European-based players. Yes, there are counter-arguments that MLS players are in mid-season form and playing at home, while Mexican players have just come out of summer vacation to play in this Gold Cup. But the value in this episode isn't about silly things like that, which anyone and everyone can bring up. This is about starting to provide an alternative perspective to the banal, monolithic, non-practitioner, consensus-based, mainstream stuff you'll get out there by simply being part of the soccer community. I hope you enjoy, but as usual, first a couple product ads for you to consider. Remember, please, this is what keeps the lights on around here. So if 343 has helped enrich your soccer lives in some way, this is one way to support. A couple products that you need to check out. One is at 343coaching.com. Go there, all you coaches out there, if you want to learn and implement a proven, successful coaching methodology with your teams. I'll just leave it there. Go dive deep, do the homework, see if this is actually a credible resource Obviously, I'm going to tell you, absolutely, it is unprecedented work, absolutely remarkable work, absolutely it works. You know, you can check out our testimonial page from the hundreds of coaches that have gone through the program and are still in the program years and years and years after starting out, because this is a process, ladies and gentlemen. There are no magic bullets, just like there are no magic bullets to becoming a scientist, to becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or any profession whatsoever. It is a process of learning. It is a process of implementation. It is a process of acquiring experience. But you need to do all those things with a correct, a good methodology that is actually proven to work. 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening. I'm Gary Kleiben. I'm joined now by Nick Rogers here on the 343 podcast. Let's get into the episode. 
before we even get into anything, do you want to chat about the game last night a little bit? Did you watch it? Sure, sure. Yeah, I watched it. The only conclusions I, are a couple of things. One is Mexico is superior. Um, we can agree. Technically and tactically. Uh, Mexico showed a lot of that via the most important parameter, which is dominating possession, but not just the possession parameter is the important one, not just possession in your own half, cycling it through the back five or back four or whatever the case may be, but holding possession in the opponent's half. And especially if they do it in the final third for prolonged periods of time, probing and prodding, uh, the opponent's defense and trying to find a way through um, and having combinations and one, one V one capabilities and all of that sort of stuff. Mexico had all of that. We had virtually none of that. And so that is a demonstration of superiority and which, which team is better and collectively and individually. And that was Mexico. We just did what we always done, which is hustle, grind, show heart, uh, work hard, make the most uh, out of your set pieces and put it in the mixer and hopefully something good happens and hopefully grind out a result. And that is exactly what occurred in that match. Nothing more, nothing less. A win is a win. Sure. Is it a confidence booster? I suppose so, especially for young players who are still learning a lot and learning yeah. a lot about the game. And uh, Fine. If you want to look at it that way, that's great. But if you want to look at it from the perspective of are we evolving and are we going on a path to graduating beyond what the national team was for the past 20, 25 years, um, this is the, the performance, the style of play just isn't there. And let's not forget, okay, these types of performances, emotional, hardworking, back and forth uh, competitive matches where we end up, you know, getting the better end of it at the end of the day in the scoreline that's sure. been happening for 20 years, 25 years, however long it is. Uh, we've had many of those performances in, including in the world cup and the best, the best case scenario having been 2002 when we got to the quarterfinals and even had one of these sorts of performances versus Germany. So I think we all need to chill out because, you know, if anybody is looking at this and trying to say, all right, the future is bright. I knew it. We're on the right path and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> you're, to you're totally missing it. You're totally missing it. Um, and part of the evidence, aside from the style of play, actually, forget it. Let's include the style of play. But part of the evidence is if the ball had bounced left or right on one or two occasions, um, or a millimeter to the left or a millimeter to the right, even though this game of soccer is a game of inches. Yeah. Um, Mexico would have won or could have won, would have, could have, should have. And the entire narrative would be completely different. Okay? 100%. It would be get rid of Burhalter. He's, uh, we have a, Fer you know, a roster full, full of Ferrari players. And we don't have a Formula One racer at the helm. We have somebody less than that, and he's crashing the Ferrari. Maybe something like that would be. Maybe something like that would be the narrative. Um, and if not that hyperbolic, it's certainly not that far off. Because sure. look at the commentary right after the, the Honduras game when 
we eked out a result on Honduras, last minute, you know, struggle for survival, just like the Mexico game. And the narrative was mm, kind of pessimistic. You know, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, a win's a win, I suppose. But I don't know. I mean, like you said, a win is a win, um, but is evolution and progress really happening? It's hard to say. The first goal that we gave up is just, just like elementary, like kindergarten, the 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 speed of play, the decision making. Mm-hmm. You could see where he's going. It, I mean, it was just it was just a, a punch to the face. And to think that that's what really gave Mexico life was a mistake like that from us so early on in the game. Um, yes. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. Did anybody surprise you on for, for the good or for the bad on either team in terms of their performance? The keeper surprised me. He didn't quite well, just like I mentioned after um, – God, when was the game? The keeper's game was against Honduras, yeah. So Nathan Horvath pleasantly surprised me again. Um, the guy who impressed me the most, and I don't know if I just had not seen him much, but Linus, holy moly. That guy was smooth. That guy was all over the place. He was making our defenders look silly. Yeah. I, and the, I mean, he's he's been uh, the talk of Mexico during the youth national team days. He was on the Mexican U-20 uh, national team uh, when he competed against our, our this generation, up-and-coming generation of players as well. Yeah. But he didn't perform all that great, but you can see that there's some magic there. And then, you know, he got... Uh, transferred to Betis and mm-hmm. he struggled to acclimatize in Betis and he struggled to get playing time in Betis. But now finally this past season, he kind of really finally grew into the role of being a first division European player. And he just needed a little bit of time, you know, a little to mature. And it looks like he's getting there. And certainly against the United States made people look <laughs> like traffic cones. <laughs> seriously did you see i don't know how many of the other games you watched leading up to this but did you notice any difference in the the style of play or was there even a style of play in last night's game versus the honduras game or, or some of the earlier games in the tournament do you think that anything was different in this last game there was no style of play in this in this last game um i think emotions like in many rivalries and in many finals emotions kind of take over yeah and it turned into more of a pickup game instead of a tactical sort of game sure some of the tactical setup was kind of i'm looking for the right term was kind of um some residual i'll say it this way some residuals of the tactical intentions existed but yeah by far over 90% of what was happening was not tactical. It was emotion, uh, pickup soccer and trading punches. Just like if we go and play an indoor game right now, Nick. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. And I don't know, it's just my opinion, but it seemed like some of the players on our lineup were just out of place where maybe would have been well off in a better area or a different area. Uh, Des, for example, was they tried to push him high and wide. I felt like he didn't really get on the ball as much as a player like that should have. Um, so with the lineup that that they presented, would you have done anything different, put somebody in a different spot, um, or made any other changes? For the U.S., I don't think so. I think 
the lineup was just fine. I think the idea of playing three center backs and have not really have traditional outside backs as in a four, three, three or something like that and push those yeah. guys, Sergio Dest and Deandre Yedlin up higher, play more in the wing back role and not have them have as much defensive responsibilities in the classical setup. Yeah. Um, helps them shine more in the offensive part of the field, which is what they are good at. They aren't good at defending and they aren't really that great in the buildup. They're good with ball at the feet, running at the opponent, serving in crosses and, and trying to create danger. So that was the biggest adjustment that occurred in my opinion. And I agree with it. That was a great idea. And if for whatever reason, Mexico were that dominant to pin the U S down Mm-hmm. Uh, where those wing backs would not be able to do that as much, then that's fine because you have two guys who are c- kind of accustomed to being outside backs. And then we basically be in a four, five, a five, four, one, essentially defensively. Yeah. And, and we'd be balanced and solid in that respect. So I don't know. I give, I give credit for the system that was chosen. Clearly it was enough. I don't know what would have happened if you played a four, three, three um, with Dest. And heaven forbid, Anthony Robinson on the field. Um, yeah, I, I think you said it best. It felt like like a Sunday league game uh, at its finest, a Sunday league championship. It, it, the emotions were high. It was punch for punch. Nobody was really, really taking hold of the game. It was pretty open, um, but a style of play didn't really shine through for, for us. And so I just wonder, right, is it going to be good enough against a team stronger than Mexico when we, when we face them potentially, if we ever qualify for world cup again, but you know, if that's the bar, Mexico still is going to struggle with top teams. So we can't just be happy with a victory over Mexico like that. If it wasn't convincing that that was the opinion that I was left with after the game. And it seems like you're kind of in the same accord. Well, it's not it's not like we haven't beaten Mexico before. We've even gone yeah. to the Azteca and, exactly. and, and performed in the Azteca. Uh, we've beaten Mexico uh, many, many times. Uh, so this isn't something that is remarkable in that regard. People try to make it remarkable because, oh, well, we beat them in a final and we haven't, you know, it's been so long, man. Like a game is a game. Yes, a final might take on a little bit of a different flavor. But when you're talking about eternal rivals, whether you're playing a final or whether you're playing a competitive match in World Cup qualifying or in a Gold Cup or even in a friendly, it's not that much different. Um, so to just take that thing that it was a final and then elevate this to some other sort of status and make broad proclamations uh, of progress is not appropriate. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I know I have more to say. It's just not coming out. <laughs> I mean, a win is a win, right? We got to win. But the way that we won, for me, in my opinion, it's not going to be good enough against against better opponents. So that's we just we can't. Yes, we can be happy with the result and be happy with the victory uh, and a trophy. But you know, when you're taking a different lens and a bigger microscope to it, and picking apart how we played and the, the style that we tried to play with or didn't have. Um, yeah, my, my, my feeling was we were lucky to win that game. We were fortunate to win that game. 
millimeters decided it, right? Like you said, left or right to a foot, and the game was different. So, Listen, uh, I want to be cautious here, too. I want to give, first off, a disclaimer, because people clutch pearls. I yeah. have zero against the players, zero against the coach. Um, I'm happy for the human beings. They worked hard. They triumphed. Fantastic. Great stuff. What I'm talking about here is the entirety of the program itself, um, referring to that, and all that comes with it, which is the entirety of the American soccer system. That is yeah. really the lens and the context through which things need to be viewed, in my opinion, if you really want to progress and graduate. You cannot look at one game and make broad proclamations because, remember, we played Honduras. That was just one game. And everybody was making broad proclamations that it's just not happening here. We're not showing signs of progress. And now a few, a handful of days later, what <laughs> the, what happened? A handful of days later, what happened? Yeah. All of a sudden, the program completely re-engineered and re-architected itself from head to toe, and the league is yeah. different, and player development is different, and blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, the narratives changed one eighty. So that's just the a sign that people just blow in the wind, which whatever way the wind is blowing, uh, they change their opinions with that, which again is a sign that they don't really have the fundamentals and the first principles thinking, um, frankly, capability under their belt. The other thing I wanted to mention is, yeah, the players are young, okay? And so this is, this is great. It's fair to state that they are young players and that there's a process to be had to bring them along to, to the team's collective peak, which should be in, you know, the mid to late twenties. Uh, of course. And, and this team age average, there's just too many young players. All that is true. The issue is we also have to stop building excuses into a uh, lack of performances. Um, because we can do that forever, and we have been doing that forever. For 10 to 20 sure. years, there's always an excuse, whether it's the schedule, whether it's the release of this or that player, whether uh, we had an injury here or two injuries there, uh, whether it was in altitude, whether CONCACAF is just dirty, you know, and the referees <laughs> always are against us. There's always a built-in excuse, and the mother of all excuses is always – this is a process that you can build something <laughs> from zero to 100 in six months. We need five yeah. years, you know, to, to see the fruits of our labor. And what ends up happening is that five years later, when people realize that the program has failed or is not making the leaps and strides as promised, then you get rid of the disposable employee, like the manager, for example, you get a new guy in here. And then it's the same story all over again. Oh, we need five years, you know, to really sh show the fruits of our labor, and the whole fan base and the media gets behind that. And it's okay. So we're in this perpetual cycle of excuse making. We need five years. the The holy grail is always five years away. It's always <laughs> five years away. Um, and I'm trying to help us have more intelligent discussions by trying to highlight what it is that everybody should be looking at, in my opinion. And what people should be looking at is not the USA 3, Mexico 2. That's not good enough. What you should be looking at is what does it look like? Does it look like we play or are on a path to playing like the tier one teams in the world? 
And the answer to that question is a resounding no. It does not look like that. The performances do not look like that. And so that is what we really need to evaluate. If we are on a good path, for sure, at least against CONCACAF opponents, Honduras, Costa Rica, Panama, we should look like that. And we still don't. Even if we smash the super minnows in CONCACAF, where we win 4-0, 5-0, it still does not look like the tier one uh, 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 teams in the world. So we should be taking advantage that we're in such a weak uh, confederation to develop our, our team style and our team identity. And it's just not there. So I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about when we meet the Belgians of the world, the France, the, the Brazil, the Argentina, the Englands, the Chile's like, well, Chile, I'm giving a lot of prop to there. They had a golden generation, good coaching, but you know what I mean? The top 10 opponents and no, the Swiss are not top 10. Okay. No. But when we meet top 10 opponents, I'm not even thinking about what that's going to look like. I know what it's going to look like. It's going to look like Belgium versus, versus the United States when Tim Howard had to make 542 saves uh, for us to stay in, oh in the game. And, yeah. and, and Ethan Horvath um, gave us that sort of sense as well. He made some great saves, some great plays. Not least of which, of course, was the penalty save, but he made other great interventions. And it was Howard-esque, his heroics. So we can already see it with an aging Mexico team that are not world beaters, how far uh, scramble defending defending had to come and how far our goalkeeper heroics had to be. I feel like to the general fan watching that game and watching that Belgium game, they're not they're they're looking at Howard and the goalie and saying, Wow, he had such a great performance, not wow, we had such a terrible defensive performance to put him in that position. And that's kind of the problem that I think you're alluding to, is that we need to take a more detailed look at these performances and how we analyze them and how we discuss them so that there isn't this, hey, it's gonna take five years to rebuild a program. Yeah. And 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 I wouldn't go so far as to say we need to look at the details because mm-hmm. I'm going to be straight with you, Nick, uh, and I'm going to push back on that comment a bit. Um, yeah. Because what ends up happening when we say that to the public, or and I know the media guys listen to us all the time and because and, I know they jack our ideas and then pass them off as their own, but looking at the details goes too far because you don't even have to go – and say, okay, let's look at all the touches of Serginho Dest. Let's look at all the touches of Mark McKenzie. Let's look at all this or all that and like bring out the microscope and see little minutia. That's the wrong approach. And you don't need to do that, frankly. Here's a suggestion. Hey, look at how many long spells of possession Mexico had in the final third, probing and prodding at, and at high velocity. Yeah, uh, to try to crack the nut, the defensive nut or the defensive shell of the United States. And then do the same thing for the U.S., right? Look at how many long spells of possession at lightning speed with good technique, right? Not just chaos and bobbling the ball and yeah. by some miracle we retain possession. No, no, no. Electric combination plays. And then long spells of possession in the opponent's half, in the final third, maybe poking and prodding and seeing how 
how we can crack the, the Mexican uh, nut. I think if you just pay attention to that sort of stuff, you'll get a lot more insight as to the technique, the tactical, and, and the dominance, uh, whether it be ours or theirs. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it's not, it wasn't very hard to see. It's, it's If you really think that the USA had a better performance in Mexico, it's like the people that think Paul beat Mayweather last night. <laughs> it just did not happen. So people are crazy.